dude. I'm so full. Not only did we both just eat full pizzas, full pizzas. They're pe they're personal pizzas. Let's not misconstrue. That pizza was the size of a medium to large pizza. It was a big. It was a, it was it was a regular. But it's flatter. You get fifty percent less pizza. Yeah, there's less dough, but like man, we ate a lot of. We just ate ate a lot of pizza. And I'm so full, not only because I can feel my stomach expanding, but I can feel my fucking brain expanding and folding in on itself. Because I, we're recording this podcast, it's the middle of the day on Sunday. I'd actually argue it's late in the day on Sunday. Uh, it's going to go up probably pretty soon after we're done recording. Um, because it took me a minute to finish Half-Life Alex. I was playing this game uh, at a slow cadence in the beginning. It was like... Late night, one chapter sessions broken up by like a very hellish personal week. And then I'm like, I don't want to play video games. And this weekend we're like, you know what? We're going to do the podcast. No excuses. Let's finish the game. But even then, I wasn't quite feeling it. I put it off a little bit. Even though I was having so much fun with the first little bit. The thing with, the thing with VR, Nick, is that uh, I learned that I can really only play for maybe like two hours at a time. I think two hours is a good a good jumping off point. I did a solid three to four today because <laughs> boy, I woke up and the only thing I had on my mind was finishing this goddamn video game and once once I started, once I buckled my seatbelt in, once I committed to to the back nine, I was, I was locked and loaded. I wasn't peeing. I wasn't drinking. <laughs> I wasn't getting back to my own personal reality. I was just in fucking city 17 going for it and boy did i fucking go for it and now we're recording because we're both done with half-life alex the game that we spent eleven hundred dollars to play let's not talk about that let's talk about how we spent eleven hundred dollars to play half-life alex uh, well i mean think about it though like People scoff at the idea of spending money on a VR headset just to play Half-Life Alex. They say, Puh, that is a fool's errand. Why would you ever do something so stupid? That was really crooked. Yeah, I know. How'd that happen? Um, it's just tilted on the actual bot. It's fine. It's, it's fine. I can just tilt and punch in a bit in, in post. It's fine. Cool. Yeah, it's totally fine. But um, I, I finished Half-Life Alex yesterday, and then I immediately went to Steam power.com store.steampower.com and i downloaded the final hours of half-life alex as released by jeff keely you spent an extra ten dollars i spent an extra ten dollars and i wanted to know everything there is to know about the development and designs of this <laughs> game and one of the common themes i kept seeing pop up is a comparison to nintendo valve I would say, you know, they have their own company motto, their own company thing, but very much how I've come up with the term of, like, Valve is a developer that trusts their gut when it comes to design mm -hmm. sensibilities. Valve wants to be Nintendo in terms of how you innovate with hardware. You don't want to be Nintendo because then you'll make color splash eventually, so... But what, what, what that means is they designed, like, going back to 1990... What was it? Six, when the N64 released? They designed... Super Mario 64 specifically for the hardware, and they designed the hardware of the N64 specifically for Super Mario 64 because they found that it was their duty 
to usher in a new era of gaming, the transition from 2D to 3D in an accessible home environment. Because we've seen 3D shooters before Super Mario 64, but they weren't really 3D. That's like platformers, but yes. That's well, they're like some parallax scrolling shit. Like mm-hmm. you know, it's it's 2D. It's all 2D. But then when the transition to Super Mario 64, something changed. And I think that is very much the mindset that Valve had when they designed not only Half-Life Alex, but the index itself. It is not just a cool project. It is something to redefine what is potentially the next era of video games. This isn't the HTC Vive. This wasn't something that was made for an Oculus. Like, there's a lot of different headsets going around. Do you want to play it in a mixed reality state? Do you want to play it on an Oculus? Do you want to play it on an index or a Vive or a what, what have you? You can do that. You can do that with this game. You know, they, they built it for the index, and I feel like we are in the very privileged position to, um, well, <clears throat> I sold a bunch of old Dota items, and actually, like, my half of it, I think I paid for with hats, but, like, Nick was in a privileged <laughs> position to just drop $500. Wait, didn't you get most of those hats by going to events in other countries? Yeah, which were tax <laughs> right off, so, like, you know, it's like a whole thing. It's fine. <clears throat> I'm definitely writing off the index in my taxes, though, because we're talking about it on the show, so... <laughs> You know, GG. Um, that's we we opted for the premium experience. And when Half Life Alex was talked about and being released, which was now months ago, it's been months. Um, earlier this year, right at the start of quarantine, we were like, "Hmm, we're going know, crazy in here." You know, I I don't think you know that we were going to have the foresight to be like. Let's let's pre-order an index. Let's pre-get a VR head. So let's just like, you know, be ready for day one. We didn't do that. And I somehow repressed the need of, of my Valve slash Half-Life fanboy inside of me to be like, this is okay. I have patience. I can wait. And then we did wait for three months to play this game after it got released. And avoiding spoilers and avoiding anyone who had any semblance of talking about what's going on. I'm like, nope, I'm going to play the game eventually. And I'm so happy that I did that. I'm so happy that I intentionally ripped myself away from all media. I think it helps because not everyone played it. Because it's very hard to play because yeah. you have to have a VR headset. But I think anyone who has played it... I, I, Gosh, I don't think I've actually talked to that many people who finished the game. Yeah, me either. Me either. I, don't, I really don't think I have. Because I think if more people were playing this game, you would see it on banners wave like like airplanes would be riding in the sky about half-life alex everyone would not stop talking about it and i might have a recency bias but i don't want to stop talking about it i am so engrossed by what this game did to me over the course of the last you know five hours of my day and also the last week that i've been playing it i i think nick pardon me I think this is one of the best video games ever. Full stop, period, done. I don't disagree. I think that this is the Super Mario 64 of VR headsets. Yeah. Like, this is what... When people are like, man, I wonder what kind of cool games you're going to be able to play when you have virtual reality headsets in every home. The games are going to be... They should be as good as Half-Life Alex, which is an unfair thing because we made the foolhardy mistake of making Half-Life Alex a real, like, oh, we played VR before, but Half-Life Alex was our first VR game. Oh, yeah. We, we've touched it. We've played hot dog horseshoes and hand grenades. We've gotten, like, VR setups. 
We've played Beat Saber. We've played Audio Shield. We've done that, right? But Everything's ruined. This is this is the <laughs> pinnacle. This is. <clears throat> it's not like Half Life Alex is number one, and there's a game that's like number two. There is. It's probably Beat Saber. Let's be real. But the, the, it's, it's, the, the, they're so different. There's such a dichotomy there. Half Life Alex is so above everything else being made in this space that that you can't even. It ruins everything. It's unfair to make the comparison because, like, I feel like a lot of VR games are made by a lot of independent, smaller developers. And then you have someone like Valve who essentially has infinite money. Money, 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 <laughs> money, 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 money. And only the greatest, like, creators in the industry all working under one banner who all willingly were like, yeah, I'll work on a Half-Life game. This one seems like it might be good enough as, as opposed to the other five ones that we canceled along the way. So after I finished Half-Life Alex, Joey, I had watched the trailer that was the announcement trailer for it back mm -hmm. in... Uh, uh, early no 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 it was a uh, back uh, when they were still using the pist the Gordon Mo Gordon Freeman's pistol model yeah <laughs> yeah and I remember being one excited that like oh cool a new Half Life like I I love Half Life I love the lore I love the universe I love reading about this world and the characters but then my stomach dropped <sighs> because I saw a segment of that reveal trailer where it shows Alex she has. Um, she she's navigating. I think she just has her hand on like a health thing, and she's shooting zombie head crabs with uh with with the other hand. And I was like, is this gonna be one of those games where it's like an arena and you just move from room to room and it's just like okay, stand here while you try to open this door and fight off a horde of zombies? And I was like, that's not what I want out of a Half Life game. My my I wouldn't give that to you. Well, yeah, you're right. And there was a part of me that's like, well, Valve's better than that, right? Like, they, they wouldn't do that to me. Like, why would I spend money on a brand new headset if I'm just going to get a game that I can already experience? And then there was, I had a foolhardy thought. Just the most idiotic, asinine thought imaginable. And I thought to myself, well, maybe I'll just wait until someone mods the game and I can play it like, you know, like a regular Half-Life game on mouse and keyboard. <laughs> Lol. And I, and truly, without being like, oh, you got to invest in the headset. It, it is more just evaluating the game and looking at it as not a video game. It is a virtual reality game. And I think that because it is a game that is designed around the hardware, I'm a big proponent of the best distillation of what something can be is a thing, is utilizing the medium that it's designed for. And video games are all about interacting, tell, like telling a story via your player agency and stuff like that. But I think the onus of VR is to make it feel like you are in the world. Every VR headset I've ever had, I felt like I was gazing into a window that allowed me to see into a world. Because in a lot of previous iterations of VR, I felt that whenever I went to go touch something, it never felt quite right. I feel like the world was reacting to what it thought I was going to do. But what happens with Half-Life Alex is that I feel like it is a game designed to make you feel like it is a push-pull relationship between you and the world that you inhabit and everything. It's a symbiotic relationship. I am in the world. I am no longer outside looking in. And I think Half-Life Alex at its core is the most immersive sim 
You know, you got your dishonored, you got your praise. This is you're in the world. Like, you are the, you're, you're in living in the world. All around you. All your senses are fucking engrossed. You're there. And I, there's nothing quite like being caught in the middle of a firefight and just using a free hand to, like, brush away trash to find ammo. And then you find it, just reach in, pop it in your gun, reload it, and then pop a full of it. Like, I, I think it captures the moment to moment that makes someone like me super into something like paintball. Where I feel like when you're in paintball, you experience these moments of waiting around. You're walking around. Everyone's too afraid to peek out of cover because no one wants to get shot. But then once you spot someone, the adrenaline kicks in. You start to maneuver in ways you didn't really think you were capable of in order to win. And I think this game encapsulates that firefight mentality that you would experience in playing paintball or just... Being in a shootout. God, the amount of times that I've thought to myself, is this what it's like to be in a gunfight? <laughs> Was so and like I we're laughing. No, and the I'm saying, like, yes. it's, it's a joke, but like the amount of times I've been like, is this what it's like to 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 be shot at? Because it dude, I should have played this game with a heart rate sensor. <laughs> The amount of just yeah, you know, there's there's one thing from playing games and you know you got your gears of war you're gonna hide behind cover or like your sniper missions and you're like oh I'm out and I'm I'm looking through people with a scope. Being in the middle of shit in Half Life Alex is wild. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely wild. You you tr- I mean I know that we're just talking about a little bit of just VR in general, but you just lose sight of the actual world, like your physical human world, and you're just like engrossed in this in this experience and you know even though i've done stuff in vr before it always felt like a toy or a novelty yeah this was an experience this was like peak media and it wasn't just that it utilized the tools to create and transport you to a new world it's that on top of that they made a game that in its own accord is an s tier 10 out of 10 game Mm -hmm. everything when you hear people talk about good game design and, and you hear like elements like, oh, you know, like uh, arenas have to be memorable and you always want to be like signposting where you're going by having like big fucking dicks in the sky that you can only think <laughs> back to. There's a name, Weenies, I think is the actual name for it. Uh, God, I'm Weenie, Dick. See where my brain goes? Uh, like, like like being able to look in the sky and be like, wow, I was just there. I'm over there. Yeah. Or having an interaction between uh, characters that dynamically changes based on what's going on. There's part like there's so many voice lines that I'm sure that neither of us heard because they're context sensitive. Context mm-hmm. sensitive. I like I didn't realize there was a piano in the game. Yeah. Yeah, I missed that entirely. You, and. It's fully programmed to where, <laughs> and because your fingers articulate if you're using the right controllers, you can actually play the piano. That's really cool. Which, I mean, that's cool. I mean, the same thing like, you know, you start Half-Life Alex and you have the novelty of turning the radio to the right frequency and using the markers to write on the windows. Or and, throwing bottles as far as humanly possible. Yeah, and <laughs> a cat and throwing bottles. The, the fucking vodka shader that makes it's the bottles incredible. look like there's actually liquid inside of it is the wildest thing that if you want to give an award for innovation in graphics i'm fucking over the fact of having 30 more polygons on something <laughs> or or whatever the fuck people are going to be like well crisis it's so pretty there's so many shaders the 
best graphical innovation I have seen in the last, I don't know, random number, two years, is the shader inside the bottle that makes it look like when you hold a bottle of liquid, there's liquid inside it. And it moves around appropriately. It's wild. Yeah. It's fucking wild. Apparently that wasn't in the game at launch. It wasn't. And <laughs> there's parts of the game that like revolve around vodka and <laughs> bottles. You use them for distraction elements all the time. Did you uh, did you take the vodka? Did you keep a bottle of vodka for Russell? I, I, I grabbed one, yeah. So yeah. I walked down the vault with it. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He, he he was very thankful that I took a bottle of vodka, but like that stuff, like that. It's attention to detail that uh, of like doing these weird optional things that the game acknowledges is such a lovely touch that humanizes the world in some very real ways. Because if you think about it, there's not a lot of story in Half Life, Alex. So how is it that you can design something? Because I think I feel like there was more story than there actually was. Looking back. But if I went through, there's really not much that happens. It's all just kind of action beat, action beat, action beat. But the fact that you have someone in your ears the entire time, having that Wheatley relationship that you experience in Portal 2, that adds... Having a Firewatch relationship, that, huh, Capo Santo? It, it, yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> it adds so much personality to the game, and it... Humanize you because I feel like there would be a tendency to get lonely in that game, and that might in turn put you off of it. But because it, it it occupies like not just a physical world, but also a world that makes sense for the universe that the game is set in. Yeah, and there's the, the, you're right. There isn't a ton of story beats. It's like oh, I gotta save dad. Okay, I guess I kind of saved dad. Okay, we're gonna break in for this weapon. Okay, it's not a weapon. Okay, oh, it's a person. Ooh, it's Gordon. Oh, it's not Gordon. Oh, whoa, there's a post credit scenes. Womp, Marvel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, like, that that's... that's Everything else is, like, you know, just, just lines between Russell and Alex, for the most part, and mm-hmm. that's what keeps you there. And I love the fact that you know, it's not just pointless dialogue. So much of it is context sensitive. Like, hey, Russell, it's dark. Can you talk to me? Like, so much of Alex is 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 a dialogue is a is a um is a uh, stand-in for the player for senses like that because they're like, oh wow, people are gonna like probably need some kind of comfort and instead of just you know having alex acknowledge that the player is uncomfortable because she's uncomfortable fucking awesome being able to take vodka and like fulfill like a one line off voice request for someone that you never actually give to them but like if you leave the level with it you get a you get a different voice line if you do or if you don't if you meet characters wearing a hat they'll comment on your hat if you try and fucking like one of the craziest scenes right at the start of Half-Life Alex is is when you're going to go meet dad and like you open up this elevator and you don't have anything you're just like sneaking around C-17 and there's two combine soldiers who immediately are just pointing their guns at you when the elevator opens and you're like holy fuck <laughs> this just got stupid real immediately and you can like try and hit the elevator button and if you do that they fucking shoot the elevator button off which doesn't happen unless you try and hit the oh do they really button. i was there's too scared so, i don't want to get shot in the face there's so many little things in this game that are different moment to moment for different people whether like and, and a lot of them are through like voice lines or like context sensitive um you, you know reactions from npcs but the, 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 every everything in this game it, they take mundane shit and turn it into just engrossing gameplay mechanics. Do you want to 
pull a drawer out of a dresser, stack a bunch of bottles and grenades in it, and then instead of only being able to carry two or three things at a time, just carry around a bucket that has a bunch of shit? Sure, you can do that. It's a physics-based thing. Do you want to do, do, do you just want to look for little collectibles like you would in normal games or like upgrade objects that are scattered all throughout the world? So much of my enjoyment of Half-Life Alex was just looking where did the devs hide the hide yeah. hide the fucking the, the, the trinkets. That's did, all I wanted to do. Did you find the scout toy that's in Russell's lab? There's like a, yeah. a scout like bobblehead type toy. Yeah, that's very what I cute. used to put on the map to represent myself. <laughs> it's very cute. Like it's little things like that. I would go through Half-Life and I think that I probably had a longer playtime in this game than a lot of other people did. I think I, I definitely beat the average that, that it says on how long to beat because I was fixated on finding all the little stuff. I would go into a room and be like, there's drawers here. Time to open up every single one because there might be a trinket in one. Stuff that's out of the way. Stuff that's hidden. They make these things sometimes hard to find, which leaves them so rewarding. And... Just the fact that in the middle of a Half-Life game, one of the most engaging things about it is doing a treasure hunt in a VR space is fucking awesome. Well, I I mean, the only comparison that you really can make, I think, is between the Half-Life franchise proper and Alex, just side by side. And it kind of goes back to the idea of how this game wouldn't work if it was just a regular point-and-click exactly. PC shooter because you, you you lose a lot of those human moments, that, the, the intimacy that makes a game like this so special. And Be- slow. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm playing through Black Mesa right now because I'm on the Half-Life high, and I'm just baffled at how many enemies the game is throwing at me and how fast I'm just zooming through, shotgunning fools in the face, and then moving on, sprinting through levels. But I don't know that that balance translates to VR. Like, if I were to play Black Mesa as it is now in VR, nah, it just wouldn't work. I think that they realize that, and that's why, you know, one level of Black Mesa might have more enemies than literally the entirety of Half-Life. Oh, 100%. 100%. And every single encounter is so small scale in comparison to just about any video game ever. But the fact that it's so small scale feels a lot more realistic. The way you, like, there's something to be said, like, going back to the gunfight feel. When you're on the streets of City 17 and you're taking cover behind a truck, you open a door of the truck so that you can peek in and you can get a closer reach to a guard who's on the other side that you can shoot him in the head through. Or it's... Standing up the same time a, a combine soldier is, and you guys see each other through four sets of windows that are the two cars parked between you. Like, there's something, it, it, it establishes a space so well that it's just, it, it, it feels like it's so smartly designed in its combat encounters. Because I don't even know that the AI is great, because I just was like so nervous trying to keep my eye on like, them. Oh, there's, there's an enemy there. Time to, and I mean, you don't kill enemies very quickly unless you're in no. the face and shotgunning them. Like you're looking for like headshots on headshots, or the little nozzle, or the, the little like, nozzle on the combine soldiers, and you can make them explode. Yeah, some some of those too. It's it's fucking all, all the encounters. There'd be like three enemies, and three enemies would be a lot because one's running at you with a shotgun, one's behind with a machine gun. There's cover that's getting blown out because the glass is getting hit, and you're like hiding. You're like. 
if you're playing in room scale, which I think you need to be doing, you're like literally getting on your knees yeah. to, to hide behind a car that's getting blown up. And then you're like reaching in the car to grab ammo sometimes, or you're peeking out with your, your headset around cover. It's so cool. And the fact, oh, dude, there's just so many little things like, Breaking a window and then clearing the glass out with, oh, your with gun a gun before, so before cool. you walk through it feels so cool. Being able to to pick up physics objects like a chair and use it to me- not let a head crab jump on you because you, you just have like you have some kind of protection. So cool. Putting a bucket over your head so that a head crab can't attach to your head because there's a bucket over your head when it jumps. So cool. But then you can't see. And you can't see. <laughs> like. Dude, did you put on a tiger mask? I did put on a tiger mask. <laughs> like I'm not doing this. Uh, when like there's things that the game doesn't feed you either. Like there really isn't a lot of tutorializing, and when it is, it's very subtle. Yeah. Oh, hundred um, percent. So like, there's a there's an area in the game where you have to use one of your hands to cover your mouth as to not you know cough or make noise or get sick or or take damage. But there's gas masks on dead mm. enemies. And it never tells you, hey, just grab one of their gas masks and put it on your face. The game never tells you that you can attach stuff to your body at all. Yep. But you can do it. Well, going back to the bucket thing, the game never tells you. Like, the game gives you two pockets in each of your wrists that you can throw a grenade or a health syringe and stuff like that. Or if you're me, you take one of the little life things you plug into a med kit and you have it in in your wrist the whole game and you realize, why am I carrying this? I always have one by a med kit. And pretty soon, like, very quickly into the game, you'll realize, like, oh, man, there's so many grenades I can pick up or there's so many syringes I want, but I can't carry them all. And so you get a big brain moment, and then you're just like, well, wait a second. And then you just, like, I was like, what's close to me? I found a, a chest drawer. I, I ripped it out, plopped it down, got on my knees, and put all of my grenades and collectibles in the drawer. And then I would just walk through a level carrying a chest full of all of the stuff that I shouldn't have been carrying. But I felt so... I felt so smart as a result. They definitely designed for something oh, yeah. like that. But the fact that the game doesn't tell you you can do that and then you think, wait, I have an idea and it works is so much more rewarding than earning a thousand XP for completing a quest. It's something, it, it, it's kind of like uh, discovering fire out in the wilderness where it's just, you have a very tangible reward for experimenting, which is so neat. I think we've come to the point, we've known this for a while, but good games have to have content that, you, that some players will never ever see or do mm-hmm. or think about because it allows the people who do think about those things. And I'm not saying that we're super big brain for finding a gas mask or ripping out a drawer, but some people didn't do that. And I'm sure there's stuff in the game that we didn't do at mm-hmm. all. I'm sure that exists. Um, 100%. Well, I mean, there's emergent game. Like, I think what Valve was trying to do with the previous iteration of what was going to be Half-Life 3 that evolved... Um, procedurally generated levels is the idea of games that contribute and foster an environment for emergent gameplay like breath of the wild where you have these moments that are custom curated based on all of the systems that are in the game and it's a moment you experience that is only yours i had one where like i'm gonna remember half-life alex where i was on a high rise in a firefight on different roofs with a bunch of combined soldiers and i was crouched down 
like just squatted down trying to peek over a window and and shoot through the window and I lost my balance and fell on my ass in real life but I could still see the combine soldier through the window so I pulled an action movie style two hands on the pistol while I'm laying on my back shooting the combine soldier in the head and then he falls off the building I'm like that was awesome that was incredible that was so cool and that was a moment that was uniquely mine because you know, Valve didn't design for me to fall over on that high rise. That's just my own clumsiness. Yeah. And the, the fact that just using your body to actually play in a game space is just wild. Mm. And very and very subtle things like, oh, let me let me look move my head inside. Let me let me move around cover. Let me duck physically. Let me lean back around. Let me see if I can crawl through this vent. Like mm-hmm. Oh, it's like I know that we're mixing like talking about like praising VR, but like VR never really did it for me until there was a killer app. And this is the killer app. This is what people have been talking about. Um, well, it's not a toy, like you said. It, it is an experience, and the game motivates you to want to see what it has in store next. Whereas a lot of VR games, it feels very much like a here's an arena, shoot some stuff, which is fun. Like, Killing dudes with a, a gun in an arena is fun, but it gets old after a while. So what, what is it that's there to compel you to, to, to keep moving forward? And I'm not going to lie, the story for Half-Life Alex, even though I did say it was pretty minimal, is pretty interesting. I think that it has a lot of implications for what can potentially come next. Like Half-Life Alex is a prequel, but I went in knowing, like feeling it in my heart. I was like, you don't make a prequel to a Half-Life game you don't you don't make a new half-life game 13 years after the release of half-life episode half-life 2 episode 2 without some sort of nod wink and nudge to what comes next and this game does not disappoint it it executes its ending in a way that feels surreal to say the least (laughs) i'm like buzzing from the high of just being like well let me grab that crowbar. Because the, the misdirect that it is, is um, you, you find out that there is a prisoner, and that prisoner is Gordon Freeman, who's trapped in the vault at the center of City 17. And But if you're a big fan, you know that can't be true. Yeah. The whole time, you know, like, Gordon can't be. He's prison. lost in he's, Zen, right? He's, he's, he's in stasis. Yeah. He's in, he's in Zen. The G-Man put him there. Who's, who's in prison? And so what you come to realize, because you start to learn a little bit more and more about what's actually happening, and it's a super interesting conversation that is going to have for sure implications for what comes forward, is near the end of the game, there's like a moment where you're trapped inside of like a crawl space in an apartment, and you can hear a woman talking to Eli, talking about, it's Eli, right? That she's talking to? It's It's an unnamed woman talking to Eli saying... The Combine had to stasis an entire block to capture him, um, but they finally did it. They didn't think it was possible. And that woman, uh, after reading through the final hours of Alex, was specifically not named because Valve has plans with that character moving forward. But fast forward, you get to the end of the vault in at the tail end of an experience that... I would say reaches the similar high that you experience at the end of Half-Life 2 when the gravity gun gets 
upgraded and you that's can the, pick up characters. That's the whole thing. When, 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 you're, when you're playing Chapter 11, it does the same thing that fucking everyone jizzed over about Half-Life <laughs> 2. When you get the super gravity gun and you're like, whoa, everything's awesome. And then like it only lets you do it for like, you know, 15 minutes. And then it's like, boom, you don't want that power all the way through. You're done. Same thing at the end. When you're at that fucking vault and you're going to go rescue G-Man, you're like... Pulling Vortigaunt lasers. Pulling you. You are using the abilities of a Vortigaunt, and you just basically create force lightning that you unleash against the combine in like semi zero G. And there's like an ass load of grenades the game hands you that you get to throw in zero G, which is so much fun. Yeah, and even the fact <laughs> that you can overhand or underhand or like curveball grenades. Oh yeah, I love sliding the grenades across the floor because it was so satisfying to to land it between the legs of a combine soldier and then just kind of look down and then they explode. Like it's so good, and, and and so you make your way through this gorgeous set piece that is equal parts M.C. Escher painting, where reality in this tiny apartment complex has been like transmuted into this alternate dimension the citizens of this apartment building are forever trapped in time and there's like this strange melancholy that's followed by this incredible action set piece where you're throwing vortigaunt force lightning all over the place and then you finally get to the holding cell and then you realize that gordon freeman is indeed not in that cell there's something so shocking and beautiful about the reveal that G-Man is the one who's captured, where you put your hands on this uh, this holding cell to to free the person inside, and when he's when you open it up, you just see the back of G-Man, and he's kind of just staring out a window in this tiny like sliver of an apartment building overlooking a street below, and he simply picks up his suitcase, adjusts his tie, and turns around, and it's a dramatic reveal. It's a it's a beautifully orchestrated moment and then he kind of does his uh his ethereal lovecraft thing where he's like hey you know thanks for uh, helping me out here uh d- you know it didn't work out with the last you guy. saved god <laughs> yeah you, you saved want god. a favor and so you accept that favor but he also says like we tried to get someone else to to do what we wanted but he wasn't so cooperative and there's a moment where it shows gordon it's gordon freeman uh, was revolting against the G-Man with the Vortigaunts in episode one and two. Correct. And so you see Gordon in third person, which is... You never do. Wild. And he looks so good. Everyone in this game also got like an incredible HD upgrade because things need to look this good when they're in VR. Otherwise, you'd die. Um, and so just seeing him for a split second, I was like, if that's all that the game does that I'm happy because that was an awesome little moment. But then G-Man issues a contract to Alex and says, here, um, work for me and I'll grant you one favor. And so she agrees to work for him. And that one favor, instead of removing the, um, basically she initially just wanted the resonance cascade to never happen and to remove hey, all can we the fix earth. Thanks. Bye. And he was like, that's maybe a little bit too much, maybe something a little more small scale. Well, how about, if we save your dad, which is a thing that hasn't happened yet because Half-Life Alex is a prequel. And so she's like all over the place because how's 
he's fine. You know, she was just talking to him. So what's going on? And you get transported to the end of Half-Life 2, Episode 2. Which also got a crazy facelift. And it looks so good. It looks so incredible. And you see Alex clutching her dead dad. And she he's like, do you want to save him? And she was like, yes, absolutely. And so you get your Vortigaunt powers. And you get to kill the stalker or whatever that thing is that kills Eli. Thus, changing this prequel has very big implications for what comes next in the Half-Life universe. And not just because she saved her dad, but because I said the words, it has implications for what comes next in the Half-Life universe. You don't make an ending like this without following up to it after a 13-year hiatus. Oh, yeah. There's there's plans for more stuff, and I don't think it's going to be another 10 years. I don't think we're going to... Like, you know, we got... How many Half-Life games on PC? I don't know if the next Half-Life is going to be a PC game. I don't know if Half-Life 3 is going to be a VR exclusive. I don't know what the plan is. But there's something that's coming eventually. And that we're back in the same loop that we were in before. We're like, well, there's something coming eventually, right? Yeah. And then this happened. And it wasn't what we expected. And now we're like, oh, fuck. They made it so there's more coming. And, dude, there's more coming. There's more coming. They're, they're fucking... Ah! And, and then you get your credit roll, and then if you stick around through the credits, another just equally powerful moment is you are you hear the HVEC suit say like low power or low health or whatever, and then energy low, yeah, energy low, and then you wake up as Gordon Freeman. Your gravity gloves have been replaced by black leather gloves that Gordon wears, and Eli's like. Hey, they got my daughter. My daughter's gone. Dog shows up holding a crowbar in his gravity gauntlet thing. And then he hands it to Eli, who then hands it to you. You get to hold the crowbar, and then the game actually ends. Like, what a what a just... Fucking chills. <laughs> chills. Fucking chills. The music sting at the end is just... It's perfect. Everything... Every, like... Is there even is there even anything for you to nitpick about Half Life, Alex? Surely there's something. Surely there's things. I got a nitpick. I didn't want to play a horror game, but I had to. Uh, I think there's moments in the uh, darkness that are a little bit confusing, understandably, because it is completely dark. I wish. I'm curious to understand their reasoning behind the flashlight placement on top of your glove. Um, I thought that that was frustrating because i would never put a flashlight there i would just hold it in one hand and then pistol on top like well then you'd have to hold something yeah i, I know i feel like i feel like there's an interesting conversation hold something sure which is part of the dilemma right that's part of the challenge so i think that there would be some interest in reevaluating some of the flashlight stuff i wish i could activate it whenever i wanted yeah there's times where i'm like why is the flashlight not on it's definitely dark enough to have the flashlight on Can- and, and there's enough buttons on the on whatever controller you're They're using really, you really don't use a lot of buttons so like surely there could have been a toggle on and toggle off kind of thing but like that's a pretty minor complaint the puzzles so much fun all the puzzles i mean we didn't even talk about the jeff sequence where you're being hunted by a super powered Com- not a combine. He's just hey a guys, scientist zombie. Did you guys play the RE the RE three remake? <laughs> the RE two remake? Cool. Me too. You want to do a scene like that? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. But it's so much more interesting because it is so small scale compared to Resident Evil two. Because you are essentially just in a maze trying to find batteries while this zombie who hunts with sound 
looks for you. And it happens to take place in a distillery where there's hundreds of bottles to throw around. Like, it's such a, a smart way of hiding mechanics and the, the stuff that in video games is like, is that how convenient? Well, in this, it is convenient because you're in a distillery. That makes sense. The game does that thing where every chapter for the most part is different and mm -hmm. you can't really get tired of any one mechanic like you start with zombies you get used to some head crabs you get used to zombies cool you never get on. used to head crabs <laughs> dude poison the amount of times that i've had oh shit <laughs> i'm legitimately scared moments for poison head crabs that i didn't think were gonna jump at me <laughs> jumping at me just go ah fuck is so many I I hated that. I didn't want to play a horror game, but if you're playing Half-Life Alex, you kind of got to play a horror game. Every Half-Life game, game is a horror game. Yeah, but like you have so much power when you have the guns yeah. and the PC and you're not engrossed in the world where there's a head crab literally jumping at your face. Yeah. The the whole game except for maybe like the last hour is a horror game. And then the the the, the Jeff chapter is a horror game. Oh yeah, that that one's it was it is a, a chapter I had to take a break in the middle of because I got too stressed out because it does a good job of, like, I was never killed by Jeff. I always managed to get away, but that's where you discover the ability to cover your mouth, like physically cover your mouth or use a gas mask. And um, there's just so many smart moments that are in that chapter alone. Like, you open a drawer where the battery is that you need, but the second you open it, because it's tilted at an angle, a bottle starts to roll off of the shelf. And if you don't catch it in time, it'll hit the floor, shatter, alerting Jeff to where you are, which is so great. But you have the ability to stop that. And then there's also a great moment where you, um, you're just navigating through the environment and you're crawling um, like underneath a, a duct or something, and you see a head crab crawl out of a vent but towards another series of bottles and you could kill the head crab if you wanted if you're fast enough but i wasn't so it knocked all of the bottles over and then i was like fuck jeff is coming and it's just you don't have to kill jeff you can kill jeff it's so smart and then the ant lions oh my the ant lions scared me the ant lions scared you they scared Dude, the me. ant lions i'm totally fine with the that ant -Lions. firefight at the end where you're fighting the combine and the ant lions in the train yard was so much fun but it was so scary dude yeah Ugh. fucking the, th the thing the thing with jeff uh, jeff is the the jeff chapter in and of itself is probably one of the best horror experiences ever yeah because you are in the horror because, game like the the moment when you realize Oh no! I have to take him out of the freezer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh no! And then the moment when you're in the elevator. Oh, you're trapped with him, and you have to go press the button right next to him, and you're like, "Is there any other?" Way? <laughs> I'm like throwing boxes like at the button at a distance. I'm like walking up, trying to like, I get my long gun out to try and, <laughs> try and poke it real quick. I get back in the corner. I let Jeff try and walk out. Like. Being yeah, trapped in the elevator that. with Jeff. That was such a smart idea. It's probably the most intense experience I've ever had playing a video game. And I don't want to make that sound like hyperbole. No, I mean, it's... it's I've never had a more intense experience than, than, than being in the elevator with Jeff. It's something so simple, but like... It, us describing, I think, does it like you're trapped in VR in a tiny environment with a raging zombie Hulk monster who hunts by sound. Like, yeah, 
I'm sold. That's a great pitch. Dude. <laughs> That's an excellent pitch. And just I, outside of just the traditional City 17 stuff, which I think is always fun because it's very Eastern Block-esque where it's like just, it feels like an alien environment to me, an American, but there's something hauntingly beautiful about roaming around a, is it Russia? Is this game set, like is City 17 in it's Russia? ambiguous. Okay. Well, I, you, you basically, the later half of the game has you wandering through an abandoned Russian zoo, which is just incredibly designed like just it's beautiful it's haunting you hear the audio of like the the virtual tour guides mm -hmm. talking about the exhibits and stuff like that and it sounds oddly similar to a combine chatter like combine talking to each other so it's just like like oh no they're coming and then it's like oh no i'm okay like it's such a wonderful it feels like a place that was haunted like ghosts haunted and it was just like oh and you also happen to fight alien soldiers here isn't that crazy it's such a good setting i would have been happier if uh that chapter had like three less jump scares <laughs> apparently that world the the art direction for that one was done by ollie moss huh the the firewatch yeah. guy <laughs> dude uh fucking oh, the, the, then you get to go the whole time you're like, oh man, I've been fighting Combine. And Combine for the first time ever have like a real personality too. They're like working together to just like do their day job at some yeah. point. It's like, well, time to go toss this toxic waste off. The thing it's early on. So a lot of them are just volunteers um, as opposed to people who have been biogenetically replaced into cyborgs. So they are like just dudes, which is crazy. Yeah, it's, it's fucking... And then the antlions come. And you're like, oh man, I forgot all about this enemy. How how do how do you make an antlion different than what they were, which were just like mass bullet sponges in a game where you don't really want to have mass amounts of ener and enemies come at you? You turn them into like a dead space tactical, mm -hmm. shoot off their limbs and then hit their weak spot kind of enemy. And boy, are they big. And when they get up to you in person... They're really big. They're terrifying. And you're like, oh no, I gotta get away. I gotta get away. Originally, um, in that half life, final hours of Half Life Alex, they described that initially that the antlions were um, the same speed that they were in Half Life 2. Oh no. For a, a brief period of time. And they also didn't have dismembering limbs. And they realized that even people who were like excellent in VR games were just quickly overrun by like four different antlions at the same time. So they're like, mm, what if we change this a little bit? And such a smart decision. Like Jeff, Jeff went through a number of iterations where initially he was just going to be a, a combine soldier whose head was replaced by a robot. And instead of an arm, he had a machine gun that he would shoot in whatever direction he heard. And so like, it's interesting to watch Valve kind of toy around with different ideas and own in because it's going back to the gut thing. It just didn't feel right. It didn't feel right. And, and I think the last thing I want to touch on, because I always like saying the word game feel, those words, the gravity gloves. Oh, yeah. Well, how do we even talk? They're perfect. A fully immersive HUD, too. They're perfect. On your glove. Not only are the gravity gloves perfect, like just... Oh, let me look at something. Let me flick it up. Let me grab it. Let me put my backpack. Uh, grab, flick, throw. Grab, flick, throw. Oh, do you want to? You can juggle yeah. in this game. <laughs> you can pick up items. You can pick up bottles of vodka with your gravity gloves and juggle them. It's something. VR is at its best when it makes you feel like you're doing something cool. And I think the gravity gloves just 
do so much work in making you feel like a badass when you are out of ammo for your shotgun so you gravity glove pool some shotgun shells from a nearby shelf through a combine firefight you reload your gun you flip it back the shotgun and then you go and headshot a fool like the gravity gloves feel so good because if you're whether you're pulling resin or ammo there's something so satisfying about force pulling an object from a distance grabbing it and then just like throwing it in your backpack the backpack thing is a genius idea yeah the backpack it's, it's, it's one of the best ideas in the game honestly there, there is such an interesting like i think there'd be an interesting gdc talk about like inventory economy in half-life alex where it's like how did you decide what to put in your backpack versus what you can put in your wrists and stuff like that and forcing the players to make that decision such a smart move also you're playing with limited resources too mm -hmm. like you you really there are times where you're like fuck i'm i'm basically out of ammo yep this time it was like, well, how am I going to do this? Or what gun am I going to use? I I really saved my shotgun ammo for most most encounters that were like big. And I'm happy that I saved my shotgun towards the end. I bought the shotgun grenade launcher. Oh, so upgrade. much fun. <laughs> it's a great way to store another grenade. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I found myself actually using all of the weapons pretty regularly like in in black mesa in my current playthrough i definitely favor my shotgun my magnum and my machine gun and don't really touch much else but in half-life alex i was just flipping through all, all the guns are one-handed so you only have three three weapons yeah only, and then a couple different grenade types but i i primarily use the pistol because of its accuracy with the laser sight that i wasn't doing a lot of aim down sights also it's wild to me that i aim down sights in vr with one eye like i do that's a rookie move dude you gotta do two eyes like i do irl <laughs> yeah it is cool that you just have to rely on like in theory your shooting skills will translate pretty well to real life the only thing that vr doesn't do is recoil so like other than that if you're a good shot in this you'd be a pretty decent shot in real life it's also it was very like weird where i'm like oh no i'm good at shooting zombies in the head oh no i'm good at shooting combine soldiers in the head oh no what does this mean like the implications of this dude what if i can so there's so many things man the little noise that the health stations make when you when you squish yeah. the thing yeah i don't like that i always felt bad getting health from those things <laughs> the first yeah you have to kill a little <laughs> creature to get health the the first time you do it and alex is like wow these little needles are poking my finger that hurts <laughs> fucking all the different mini games you get to play the the, the using your multi-tool to to trace wires oh yeah the, so smart and, and then forcing you to trace wires in areas you'd rather not put your hands yeah. so great yeah so smart it's such a small like, obviously, that'd be an interesting idea, but, like, they did it. They just did they it. do so many of those. They did it. The mm -hmm. whole game is full of small little things that never the, really the, get there's, there's a zen creature that has alien grenades on it, and there's two ways you can get the grenade. You can either be quick and snatch the grenade out of its mouth before it tightens its grip on it, or you can tickle its belly, and it'll just, like, laugh, laugh. and then open its hand, and you just pull it. Because I was just, I could not figure out for the longest time how to get one of those grenades. I was like, I'm, what am I not, maybe I need an item or something. But then I was looking at the thing and I was like, well, it looks like it has a glowing belly. Let me, maybe, do I have to tickle it? And sure enough, you have to tickle it in order to grab the alien grenade that you 
you have to squeeze the grenade. How good is that? You have to squeeze. Or with the regular grenades, you press a button on the single... Con because the game is designed... Um, if, if someone is only one-handed, they can play through the entire game that way, mm -hmm. um, which is pretty cool. Um, but outside of that, like, just the sense... Because there was talks of them wanting to add, like, a frag grenade where you would hold it with one hand and then pull the pin with the other. But there are, like, you know, if you're one-handed, that'd be difficult. Or, you know, it, it's clumsy. So, like, being able to do it with one hand is so, so much more fun. It's so much, it's so much neater. Dude, the, the this this game. I can't wait to play it again. I'm gonna play all the Half Life games first, it's, and then I'm gonna play it again. It's so good. This game is so good. It's it's a shame that there is such like a high barrier to entry, both in like technology and price, and a bunch of reasons to stop people from playing it because you can't just go play it on PC whenever there's a conversion. Yeah. You will never get. There's a lot of good stuff. I'm sure this game would still be some level of fun. I mean, for people who want to know what happens, like yeah. it's an interesting thing. But like, you can't get it without the headset. Yeah, trying to look through a window is way more interesting in VR. And and I, I actually tweet out like, is this, I think this might be just the game of the year. And then someone was like, well, considering that it's only available to like 10% of people because not everyone owns a VR headset. Nah. And I was like, well, I get it. It doesn't it's mean not, that it's not, it's not accessible, but that's really denying a lot. Like the game's good. You, you might not have an Xbox, but like doesn't mean Xbox doesn't have good games. You know, the game isn't just good, right? Like the game is great like it's a, I, it's a super mario 64 level game of like oh this is changing everything forever this goes in my pantheon of literally the best games of all time like it's like half-life alex dark souls uh new super mario world portal 2 um throw some multiplayer games in there if you want like counter-strike like stuff like or League of Legends, stuff like that. It, it really yeah. is just a testament to the, I, I think, the Valve software mentality and like design it's sensibility. So good. It's, Everything about I can't get over so how it's, it's very, so good. It's very smart. It's a very smart game that respects you, your ability to perceive situations, and lets you kind of just figure it out. The thing is, is that like you can't, I, you can only play it for the first time once. Yeah. And it's just going to, I'm going to go leave this podcast. I'm going to go on a bike ride. Then I'm going to start to play The Last of Us. And I'm going to be like, hey, everybody, by the way, next time, Last of Us. Said it early. Um, two. I should really clarify two. Last of Us two. And I know that like any game that I'm going to want to be playing could like be okay on its own merits for its own thing. But I just finished playing an all-time great video game. And I know people think that I like to make hyperboles, that I talk stuff up all the time, but I'm not doing that You here. don't really say this stuff is, like this, though. This is an all-time great video game, full stop. And I just finished it, and now I'm going to go play other, quote, game of the years, and I know they're going to be trash in, term, in, 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 in a one-to-one -one comparison. Because this is... This is something that is genre-defying. This is something that is new and innovative. Uh, something that's so masterfully crafted across the board that, yes, does it have very small gripes that I wish things were different? Sure. I can probably take a week and then step back and then do some things and then nitpick a little bit. Sure. I could also do that with Dark Souls. Yeah. I could also do that with Portal. Like, this is... 
one of the best games ever. I'll just keep saying it. it's one of the best video games of all time that you've ever played that has ever been made. And, you know, if you've listened to all this, I guess we spoil the story a little bit for you if you haven't played it yet. But I feel like a lot of people are going to listen to this to this point because they think that they're not going to play this game for... I thought I was not going to play this game. I thought for the while I was like, oh, I guess I'm just never going to play Half-Life Alex." But then I, I decided to be a roommate with someone who's uh, just a bad influence and got me to invest hey, in a headset. Idea. And just, I did. And I'm so glad I did. I'm glad that I didn't play it on PC when it was modded to like be normal. I don't think that you have to have an index. You don't have to have an index. And no. I and, and I say that knowing that like you know most of my gripes with the game come with the hardware. The the headset when you have longish hair like I do now, I would get hair trapped between it and get in front of my face. I just take the headset off and like fix my hair all the time. Mm. I would walk around in circles and spin the cord up and then <laughs> trip over myself. I would think all the time about my surroundings outside the game because the room wasn't big enough or the boundaries weren't in the right spot. I would kind of, you know, have to stop down and then like, you know, take the headset off for a little bit because not that I wasn't feeling well, but because I can't be in there for too long. I'd have to untangle the cord. Most of my complaints were a restriction of the hardware not being perfect. If I was in a fucking empty 10 by 10 room with a cordless headset, fucking this game would have been the best thing ever. Um, I've, there's a couple people. I, I made a channel in Discord for virtual talk, virtual reality talk. And there's a, quite a few people who have an Oculus Quest and they've played Alex and they love, well, like you have to play with the cable. But the fact that it, you can do, no, someone has a, a headset. Uh, I think it's a Vive Pro. Yeah. That's the one that's wireless, right? Correct. And they were just like, it's it's incredible. Like, there is no wrong way really to play Half-Life, Alex. You should just play it. You should just play it. You should just play it. If you get the cheapest VRs that you can get, I'm sure you might lose 5% of the experience, maybe in fidelity or maybe in... Yeah, you won't be able to w- wiggle your pinky around. Yeah, you can't, <laughs> you can't give someone the bird because you have, have finger dexterity motion control. You might have to use some more buttons, maybe, <laughs> right? But if, if you can find a way to play this game, do it. Yeah. If you need to go borrow a friend's VR headset, do it. If you have Come the on money <laughs> to spend, the pandemic, don't do that. If you have a, <laughs> if you have the money to spend on whatever, like maybe it's the lowest hanging Oculus you can get. Maybe it's a used one. Maybe there's someone on Craigslist who has like an old uh, index, you know, maybe, or, or an old something. Maybe you can resell it if you want to. Like, if you like games as much as someone who is listening to this podcast surely does, and you haven't thought of a way to play this game yet if you wrote it off because i need a headset because i need a gaming pc yes there's a bit of investment but if you can do it if you can find a way to do it you absolutely have to do it you absolutely have to do it it is that cool and important and unique and and just defining of of what games can be it's the closest any human will actually get to an actual treat of an experience where it's like you just can't experience anything like this in real life. This is wholly unique. <laughs> incredibly unique. There's nothing else like it. There's things that are similar to it. I guess you can go play Boneworks. Yeah. You know, you can play something, you can play some mods. You can do something that's like in the same realm, but you can't do something with this much polish and craftsmanship and just like smart developers behind it. 
you have to try and find a way to play this game. Yeah, don't watch a YouTube playthrough. Just play it. Find it and play it. If it wasn't a pandemic, I'd invite you all over and you wouldn't even have to talk to us. You could just sleep on the couch, which is broken. Yeah. And chill. You keep sitting on the wrong side. I know. I'm kind of tempting fate. Yeah. I'm the one who keeps on fixing it. What? You do? Yeah. Have I sat on it and it broke? Yeah, I retaped it the other day. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. You keep tempting fate, but I don't want to just pay the price. <laughs> We're getting off topic, everybody. Last of Us Part 2. You have to play Half-Life Alex. I think we said that enough. It's fucking incredible. Last of Us Part 2 is the game that we're going to do next week. And I'm really, I might be biting off a lot because it's Sunday and we're looking to do another Sunday podcast. So I have like a it's week. A, it's a long game. <laughs> it's a long game. I got, I, got, I got a week to sit down and go at this? We'll see. I feel like, you, yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see? Okay. We'll, we'll see. And then we got your your uh, Paper Mario's coming. And Ghost of Tsushima. And Ghost of Tsushima, same day drops. Yeah, that's 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 on Friday. Oh, I'm wondering if it's gonna let me play Ghost of Tsushima if you are playing Last of Us. Uh, we can figure that. That'll out. be an experiment. We can we can figure that out, man. Thank you for uh, listening to a long garbage game club. We're like at an hour now, and that's because you know there's a lot I, to talk about. I, I don't think that episode lengths necessarily correlate to how much we like a game. Surely, the more we like something, and the fresher it is in our minds, the more we can talk about it. I don't think there's like a real one-to-one comparison. It's not the same the other way. Like short shows don't necessarily mean they get no. bad either. Like sometimes, no, you know, like short Florence, hike was like 28 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Short hike is a game that like takes you an hour, right? Yeah. So, um, it, it it it's not one-to-one, but we hit an hour because there's a reason why this game is great, and you should play it. And I'm so happy that we played it, and I'm so sad that I can't play it for the first time anymore. I need to like get my brain flashed by the G-Man so I can play Half-Life Alex again for the first time. Man. Yeah, you should. Patreon.com slash CyberGarbage if you want to support the podcast. Listen to us on whatever podcast player you like. There's, they're on all of them. You're, we're on all of them. So just like hit the follow button. It helps the numbers a lot. Or if you're a patron, you can watch the YouTube version where I'm playing with my hair and the background's crooked. So everybody, I hope you have a wonderful week. Uh, and, and wear a mask. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Bye, everyone. Play Last of Us 2. Part 2.